This episode is sponsored by the Mighty Mighty Iron Galaxy. We make lots of games. You might even like a few. Follow us on Twitter at I to the G. That's at I-T-O-T-H-E-G. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience uh, one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. That's something. Hi everybody, my name is Eric Arnell, and this is the second part of our annual Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories Fan Fiction Celebration. This is one of my favorite pairs of episodes every year, and we've got some sweet stuff for your ear holes this time around, like Chicago Loot Drops Mike Chuck Bretzliff getting closure on the cancellation of Selfie, Andrew Bentley pontificating on the notion of selective narrative, Nathan Robert taking a look at his future year, Arthi D exploring alternate versions of herself, and Eileen Tull extracting life lessons from Harrison Ford movies. Plus, you've got music from me, Dwight Hassler, and Claire Friedman. How can you go wrong? You can't. Can't go wrong. Uh, right now, of course, you're listening to the Your Stories podcast, duh, but have you ever been to the Your Stories live show? If not, you should, and if so, you should go back. Uh, this month, we are changing venues. Uh, we are now at the Cards Against Humanity Theater at some office, 1917 North Elston Avenue in Chicago. And hey, our special guests are some of the fine folks behind Cards Against Humanity. In keeping with that, our theme is Pick a Card, stories inspired by your favorite white or black card from that game. Uh, it's going to be a really fun time, and we hope to see you there. Of course, your stories is free as always. That hasn't changed. We're not sellouts. I'm just going to tell you about our sponsors in a minute. Uh, for more on that event, see our Facebook page and website, www.nerdalogs.com. Also on our website, you can find other great Nerdalogs podcasts like Talking Games with Tim and Clayton and MBSing with Mary Beth Smith. So listen to those too. It is all free. Again, have not sold out. Everything we do is free. And now a word from our sponsors. Uh, seriously, don't forget to check out our sponsors for this episode, Iron Galaxy Game Studios. Uh, we had Iron Galaxy founder Dave Lang on the Your Stories episode last year. That was October 2014 Part 2, for those keeping track. And he told a really great story called Fuck the Destination. Uh, plus, those guys just do really great stuff, like the game Dive Kick that I misidentified on the episode as Dropkick. 
because I have poor handwriting and don't always read my notes correctly. But the game is called Dive Kick, y'all. Uh, and they do other great stuff, too. So if you're feeling generous, drop them a line and let them know you heard about them on your stories. That would really help us out. It would help out this whole Chicago podcasting co-op thing we've got going on that is really, really cool. And again, thanks to Claire Friedman and Cards Against Humanity for setting that up. Uh, anyway, that's all I've got for now. So thanks and enjoy the episode. Uh, we're going to start with a couple songs that are tributes to uh, musicians that have influenced the performing musicians. Do you want to give any more introduction than that? <laughs> Dio has rocked for a long, long time. It's time for him to pass the torch He has songs of Will it be stand angels He has sword on the wings of a demon It's time to pass the torch You're too old to rock No more rocking for you We're taking you to a home But we will sing a song about you that you're very well taken care of You'll tell us secrets that you've learned Come out! Your sauce will mix with ours And we'll make a good goulash, baby Dio's time to go You must give your cape and scepter to me This is a cool song by Minneapolis band. Every once in a while there's a band where it's like, God, how has it taken us three and a half, almost four years, and we've never played a song by this band? That's a fucking shame. So we're going to correct that with a little, uh, little replacements. the 
both of those songs, actually, I realized while I was performing about folks who uh, passed away not super, super long ago. So, uh, yeah, way to go, Dwight. So, guys, we've got we got some more stories and stuff, but we're actually going to stay up here for this one. Uh, coming up first in this half is Mr. Mike Chuck Bretzliff. Oh, I, I, Mike Chuck is a part of an organization called Chicago Loop Drop. They do really great charity work in the city, and we kind of have a special relationship with uh, the fan fiction episode in Mike Chuck, uh, I believe. He's doing push-ups right now. No. Uh, this is the first... Two years ago, Mike Chuck, uh, this was his first story he told was, uh, was. a fan fiction episode. It was a fan fiction I wrote when I was 12. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, Star Wars meets the aliens from Aliens. And Predator. And Predator. <laughs> and he like, had it in like a, a, like a drawn like workbook that we have like he scanned and uploaded to the internet so it's uh, yeah. all out there to be read if anyone cares 12 year old Mike Chuck it can be hard sometimes to watch a TV show that you like but nobody else is watching um, not just because you don't have anyone else to talk about um, because you have thoughts and feels about the latest episode but because if no one else is watching it very soon you won't be watching it either um, because there'll be no show to watch um, recently for me that show was does anybody care to guess? Selfie. <laughs> Which is my subject for tonight. Um, in the past, there have been other shows. Uh, Chuck was one that never had very high viewership. Um, the end of every season was a little stressful um, about whether or not it would be renewed. Uh, but thanks to fans eating lots of Subway, it uh, got to limp its way to five seasons. Uh, Community is another one that I love so, so much. Um, it was canceled, but now it's coming back on Yahoo next month. So that's a thing. Uh, and it might actually make good on six seasons and a movie. Um, I really like these shows, and I don't want to see them go away. Though maybe it was kind of, it was Chuck's time. Um, but uh, that just makes you, like, you know, makes me a bigger fan. Um, like, I'm compensating for everyone's uh, lack of fandom, working hard, trying to get others to watch which ends up just turning people off more than anything else. Um, now, obviously, like, Neurologues and a lot of creative types at these, these shows, uh, this is something we can all relate to with our own events and shows. You work really hard on something. It's good, uh, super good, at least you hope anyway. You promote the crap out of it, and then you don't get quite the turnout um, you hope for. Um, which reminds me, um, Chicago Loot Drop's first fundraiser of the year uh, is on March 22nd. It's at the Public House. We're bringing back one of our favorite events, at least one of my favorite events. Um, it is the sing-along version of the Hobbit cartoon from the 70s um, with a bouncing one ring to help you sing along with Down, Down to Goblin Town. Um, originally, this event was actually Cinco de Bilbo. We had it on May 5th with the Nerdalogs, and that was where they premiered what later became uh, Lord of the Wrigley. Um, which hopefully you went and saw this past summer. It was great. Um, tickets are only $10. Um, proceeds go to buy books, toys, and games for the kids at Comer Children's Hospital. Um, you can go to our website for tickets and more information, uh, chicagolootdrop.org. Uh, find us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter. And uh, whether you attend or not, telling other people about it uh, and sharing posts is also really helpful. Um, we had a pretty great year last year, and we're kind of small, so the number I'm going to say might sound kind of... Lame for a charity. Okay, we, we're, our goal for this year is we're trying to raise $10,000, uh, which is double what our goal was last year, and we kind of exploded past that shockingly. Um, so we're going to try to do way more than that. So um, come out to stuff and help us out. Um, and
then, uh oh, we'll have some beer from Arcade Brewery. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, see, we're, and if you guys see stickers around, there's a Throttle Association going there. Um, in case, you know, you need to loosen up before singing, or if you know, you just like beer. Um, so thus ends my selfie-ish plug. Thank you. That was the response I wanted. All right. <laughs> Don't clap that. Don't clap that. All right. So back to selfie. Um, you probably didn't watch it uh, because it has a horrible name and had horrible marketing. Um, if you saw any of the ads for it, yeah, it looked horrible, but yet I watched it anyway. Um, because one, John Cho. And two, whether she's pale with long red hair or blue and bald, I will tune in for Karen Gillan. Uh, and three, this might not be a great something that really gets everybody else to tune in, but for me, all right, it's a modern version of My Fair Lady. Um, even going so far as to work in the line, I've grown accustomed to her face. <laughs> to which, while sitting in my apartment by myself, I out loud replied, He said the thing! <laughs> um, <laughs> So it's because of that last point especially. Um, of course I'm going to watch it. I mean, uh, Glee looked horrible, but as someone who uh, sang and danced in show choir all throughout high school, I had to at least check it out. Um, and it was really good for like half a season. Like good in the sense that I also think pro wrestling is good. So just to <laughs> clarify. Um, so the first episode of Selfie had all of the horrible parts from, like, commercials and stuff that I'd seen. Um, overflowing airplane sickness bags that were, like, dripping and bursting. Uh, more forced you speak than the script for Juno. Um, and worst of all, Karen Gillan without a Scottish accent. Um, and yet it was actually pretty good. Um, and then the next was even better. Um, and it continued to get better. And after just maybe five or so episodes, I really, really loved this show. Which is also right around the time it was canceled. Um, and announced the only, the remaining episodes would all be released online. Um, in its short-lived run, there were two great things about the show that the commercials didn't or couldn't portray. Um, first is that Henry and Eliza um, work at a company where the corporate culture is only slightly less insane than Better Off Ted. Um, now, if you know what I'm talking about, that's probably a big selling point for you. Um, the company karaoke night where singing is mandatory or you're fired um, was hilarious and also a way to sneak in a musical episode. It's kind of like unofficially. Um, the second big thing is the chemistry between uh, Cho and Gillen. Uh, I'll just say this. If Kirk and Spock hadn't been boldly going where no man has gone before since the 60s, um, Slashvik would have invented for these two. Um, I'm not a shipper, but I ship them so hard. Uh, which is uh, what fanfic is so great at. Uh, a way to get some closure. Um, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is my selfie fanfic. Cute theme music! I'm looking at me. Hey, look, it's me. Funny thing about me, not to make it all me. Well, I'm looking at me. I'm hoping to find you. Okay, so running short on time, so I'll just skip past the wedding. Um, all right, so this is spring 2020. After some lengthy will they, won't they, Ross, Rachel bullshit, uh, we finally made it to season five finale um, called "Get Me to the Church on Time" because um, they would have to call it that, right? It's the wedding episodes. I mean, it's a little obvious, but I mean, it's right there. Uh, okay, so we're gonna skip past all of that. Um, Thanos gives Eliza away, um, and 
the doctor flails about on the dance floor at the reception. I mean, this is a fan fiction. You can expect it to be a little bit of crossover. Um, so uh, let's just get right to it. Uh, interior, honeymoon suite, night. Sweet, sweet closure. Uh, that was real good. Kevin clutch last minute fill in on the on the noises. Uh, Karen Gillan gem that people don't ever talk about. NTSD SF uh, NTSF SD SUV. This show is so fucking good. It's the Paul Shear vehicle on Adult Swim. It lasted three seasons. It's like eleven minute uh, CSI parodies, and the cast is so unbelievable. And Karen Gillan is in it. Highly recommend it. To you, to the world. All right, guys, coming up next to the stage, Andrew Bentley. Yeah! <laughs> All right, uh, I also did not uh, write fan fiction proper. I did my my usual thing, uh, which is to drink a bunch of coffee and then start free associating like mad. So. Uh, <laughs> <all right. clears throat> One morning, Andrew Bentley awoke filled with an uncontainable, incontrovertible joy. Scarcely had the gauzy haze of sleep lifted from his eyes when he bolted from bed and sucked up the welcome air of a new day into his lungs. His healthy heart beat within his healthy chest, and its even rhythm soon merged harmoniously with his footfalls as he strode in determination from his room and once more out into a world defined only by its very lack of definition, boundless in possibility, clarion in purpose, and received without doubt, fear, or worry. No, I don't buy it either. One morning, Andrew Bentley awoke pinned in place by the sheer weight of his unsolicited existence. <laughs> Balking beneath the pale and colorless light of a winter morning, he contorted himself in desperation, clawing at the torpor which hung in sheets from his brain like the web of some terrible arachnid. With intense concentration, Basic mobility was restored, and he was thereby able to pour himself free of his bed, gain his feet, and begin running from his problems. <laughs> but that's no better. Is the need to, to dramatize our own lives an innate phenomenon, or the eventual product of years of comparison between ourselves and the looming fetishes of our shared fiction? Or is our obsessive self-editorial a flight response, a desperate bid to distance ourselves from the inevitable homogeneity of Homo sapiens sapiens. Are we stretching ourselves towards mythical ideals or away from our seven billion competitors? I'll dispel all anticipation right away and admit that I don't plan on providing any definitive answer. Uh, I was a sociology and acting major, and therefore I trade exclusively in summary, commentary, and replication. <laughs> I'll leave the revelations on human nature where they belong, with philosophy and marketing students. 
See, the, the human condition is roughly like being stuck in the middle of a huge crowd without knowing why or where it's headed. As a sociology major, within this simile, I'm a tall person, uh, which is also true outside of the simile, but only coincidentally. Uh, I'm tall, I can see a little farther around, get a slightly better idea of the big picture, but not much. And I'm an actor, so I guess I can do impressions of other people in the crowd, even ones who are way on the other side of the street. And as a writer, I can make tortured analogies about the situation instead of getting a real job. <laughs> but I'm, I'm still there in the middle of the crowd, and the crowd is still a crowd and not whatever metaphor I'm trying to ascribe it, uh, assuming, of course, we're speaking within the confines of the original simile. Outside of that, the crowd is not a crowd, but rather a complex intersection of physics and spirituality, which I honestly have no business trying to sum up in five minutes of a storytelling night, or indeed at all, uh, which, if you'll recall, was the original thesis of this increasingly self-evident tangent. <laughs> I hope that all wasn't too technical. Yeah. <laughs> My point operating under the admittedly suspect premise that I still have one, is that whether it's deprecation or aggrandizement, self-narrative is inherently given to distortion. We do it anyway because the or unornamented truth is boring as shit. And worse yet, it's still an instrument of selective narrative. It's literally impossible to talk about yourself without advancing a paradigm. And it's impossible to live your life without contributing to one. So why should we care? Because so many of our narratives are not our own, even the ones we choose. When I was a child, no one told me how to feel at a funeral. Nor was I affected by any loss, for I did not know the deceased, or humbled by my own mortality, for I didn't yet grasp the concept. My solemnity was entirely the product of imitation, not of the other funeral goers, but of funerals I had seen on TV or in film. My parents didn't need to tell me to wear black or be silent or to feel sorrowful, sorrowful, uh, I received that instruction through cultural osmosis, adopting a, a dolor compatible with the mores inculcated in me by modern oral tradition. And, and just so we're clear, that was a good thing for a child. I'm not convinced it's good for us anymore. So much of our lives now seem dominated by the process of group sourcing our identities. Introspection has been appropriated by explication, and we need look no further than the carefully weeded gardens of our social media to see how. An introvert is no longer a descriptive appellation, but a proscriptive integral diagnosis, complete with symptoms and prognosis. We're all of us consumed by the need to distinguish ourselves, yet we seem compelled to accomplish this by sorting ourselves into an exhaustive array of clearly marked boxes. Here we sit, at a gathering predicated upon our common nerdiness, and here we sit in infinite variety of traits and thoughts and opinions, guaranteed no common ground or comedy or love by the meaningless choice to adopt that mantle. People tell me sometimes that I'm not a nerd. Invariably, I'll tell them to trust me that I am. <laughs> well, don't trust me. Because what you perceive in me may be more than the pale generality contained in that word or any other thing I choose to tell you that I am. Don't let other people tell you what you are as old and solid advice, but don't try and tell other people what you are either. Just... Be it. Unless you're diabetic or something, there, there are times where that's relevant. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, so here's my last attempt at a narrative, as honest as I can be, without inducing you to think of me as one way or another. One morning, Andrew Bentley awoke. 
Another morning, many years later, he did not. The time in between was, all things considered, a mixed bag. There. You see how fair I am? Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. I hope we're all thinking about our mortality now. Let's just think about that. Let it sink in. We're all going to die. All right. Sounds good. Coming up next to the stage, Nathan Roberts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was actually perfect scheduling because there's going to be a really good connection moment between what I'm about to read and what he read. I did it on purpose. You did it on purpose. I know you did. So, um, in the grand tradition of giving things titles, I decided to steal from the Beatles, and I'm going to call this A Year in the Life. Let's find the right page. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to celebrate this thing called fan fiction. For what I am told is the third year in a row. Now, admittedly, except for a small period in early middle school when TRL was still a thing and Carson Daly still culturally relevant, fan fiction was never something I much got into. I grew out of my Daria, yes, Daria, fan fiction phase at about the same time I stopped reading Animorphs books and picked up the Hitchhiker's Guide series. As a serious person wanting to be a serious writer, it just didn't seem to do the trick. Later years would only reinforce this. Fifty Shades of Grey did start out as Twilight fanfic, after all. But in reconsidering the genre in preparation for writing this story, it struck me that fanfiction is probably the most personal and democratic type of story you could write. Um, for what is fanfiction but taking characters that other individuals have created and making them do whatever or whomever we want? And so, in that tradition, I would like to present you with my work of fanfiction. This is the story of the next year of my life, written by me, from original characters created by my and other parents. <laughs> February 2015. I read a story about the next year of my life at your stories. People cheer. Grown men weep. <laughs> I am faded and carried out of the theater to a standing ovation. A publisher approaches me soon after and offers to publish any past and future work unseen for a boatload of money. I no longer need to search for a job and spend my days drinking slightly less cheap beer and writing plays of questionable quality, which nonetheless will be produced to packed houses. March 2015. Defying all logic, Prince and The Cure collaborate on a new album. It doesn't suck. Also, winter ends in Chicago and stays ended. There is much rejoicing throughout the land. April 2015. That cider bar on the north side of Chicago that has been supposed to open for nearly a year now finally opens. I establish a thrice-weekly residency there, causing them to rename a corner booth in my honor. The government, in a rare double swoop, legalizes both same-sex marriage and marijuana. Obama's approval rating hits record highs, and the state of Texas formally succeeds from the union. No one really seems to notice or care. May 2015. I buy a Corvette because I've always wanted one, and also, fuck it, why not? Arsenal Football Club goes on to win the Champions League in record fashion, scoring 67 goals over the course of 90 minutes. 
I am in attendance and am given a champion's medal for my continued support over the years. I am also offered a management role with the club, which I graciously turned down in order to remain focused on my writing. The unseasonably warm weather continues. People in Ohio report suspicious dark circles in the sky, but no one pays much attention because they are from Ohio. (laughs) June 2015, I attend Bonnaroo in Manchester, Tennessee for the fourth time in six years. No bands that I want to see um, conflict with each other. None of my illegal substances are confiscated. During a headlining EDM set, a giant sinkhole opens up in the middle of the ground, swallowing all those presents into the eternal abyss. Once again, no one really seems to notice or care. We are all a bit too busy listening to My Morning Jacket. July 2015. Scientists discover a cure for diabetes. There really isn't a joke or punchline that goes along with this one. I'm just happy that I no no longer need to poke or inject myself with a needle five times a day anymore. August 2015. My 28th birthday is spent in Edinburgh, Scotland, watching my original play, All of These Banjos Are Banjos, played to a maddening sellout crowd. After the performance, the rabid audience, wanting more, starts a riot outside of the venue. Few are injured, but none are killed. My undergraduate theater professor, long a proposed advocate of theater riots, is immensely proud and sends a telegram of congratulations from Ann Arbor. Although fall has not yet begun, the sky seems to grow a little darker every night. September 2015. The shapes in the nighttime sky are not disappearing or lessening. With each passing day, they only seem to grow in size and quantity, in proximity to the major population centers. World leaders agree to temporarily put aside their differences and hold an emergency summit in Tacoma, Washington. Catering is provided by the Potbelly Sandwich Works Company, trademark. (laughs) October 2015. Following the secret summit, the citizens of the world are informed that there will now be a 7.30 p.m. nightly curfew effective immediately and until further notice. We are not informed why, because government. Earth prepares for war. News of this does not reach me for several weeks, as I have recently found and torrented every movie or episode of a television show which I have been unable to previously find. The overflow of newly understood continuity leaves me unable to move for much of the month. There is a lot to ponder. November 2015. War is declared. People are drafted. Battle imminent. We must defeat the evil alien overlords. Passionate speeches are composed and delivered by Bill Pullman. Speeches such as these. Ladies and gentlemen of Earth, ask not what your Earth can do for you, but what you can do to prevent your Earth being enslaved by a race of vicious, intelligent, purple space turtles. Excelsior! I wrote that one. It played pretty well in the blue states and in Eastern Europe. December 2015. Initial attempts at preventing the evil space turtle overthrow have failed. We have already lost Australia and New Jersey. World leaders decide that they need to take a more creative approach and delaying or defying anything resembling logic or sense, appoint me as the new Earth Secretary in charge of not getting enslaved and or blown up. I immediately appoint cover stories as my ministers of faith, goodwill, and propaganda. 
It is their mission to prove the glory of Earth's creations and convince the turtles of the worth of our existence. Sadly, on Christmas Eve, this plan backfires when Eric chooses to play Born to Run. (laughs) Although seemingly moved by the performance, the turtles vaporize Eric instantly after the performance. He is given a burial in the International Cemetery for Heroes and other really, really awesome people. The boss himself delivers the eulogy. January 2016. As a last-ditch effort to save all humanity, I meet with the Supreme Turtle. For no good or logical reason, he accepts my proposed trade of four Cadbury eggs, a 7-Eleven medium cherry and Coke mixed Slurpee, the Best of Credence Clearwater Revival on 8-Track, and the state of Ohio, in trade for please kindly fucking get the hell and off and never come back. Let's call us, let's call this Deus Ex Machina. February 2016. Having successfully saved the earth once and for all, Having written numerous successful plays and being celebrated all over the earth constantly for nearly two months, I decide to retire from the public eye indefinitely. Oh, and I also get the girl. I'm gonna fucking die to be seeing Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, that's how I go. I don't care. I don't care. Fuck those turtles. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Claire. Fuck those stupid turtles. They probably like Johnny Cougar. Assholes. Guys, Johnny Cougar is fine. Uh, we have someone here from New York City tonight. Uh, New York City known, of course, for their wonderful salsa. I don't think anybody will understand that joke. <laughs> New York City. Uh, anyway, so she's in Chicago for a few days taking a class at Second City. And uh, she heard about the show and decided to come do a piece. This is super exciting. Uh, she wanted me to mention that she hosts a podcast on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is a super wonderful show called Back in the Field. This is Miss Arthi B. Is it true about the salsa? Well, there's Brooklyn salsa, I, and there's salsa dancing. I'm not sure what you mean. There's some, there's some, ang- there's some ambiguity here. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm kind of proof positive that uh, you don't have to sleep with one of the people who hosts the show to be here uh, to bring back that joke. It's called a brick joke, you guys. I learned some stuff. Uh, <laughs> so um, tonight's theme is fan fiction, and uh, well, I've been a fan since I was like eight. So I really loved Sailor Moon. And I came, yeah, I used to run home from school, elementary school specifically, in Texas. I grew up in Dallas. In, in Dallas, school, elementary school ended at like 2.45 or like 3.15 or something. So I would run home so I could make it for Toonami's 3.30 Central Time airing of Sailor Moon. And on certain, certain weekends, if I was feeling particularly industrious, I would wake up at like 6 in the morning to watch Sailor Moon on WB because if you didn't have cable, that's how you watched it. Yeah, it was a real good time. But, uh, you know, I've been reading or writing fan fiction since I was probably about 14 years old. And, uh, and it's definitely affected who I am. Like, you know, I feel, I feel that I wouldn't be quite so internet if it wasn't for fan fiction. And, and specifically for the people that I met there. Like, I met some really amazing friends and they're here still with me today. Not literally. Maya's not an internet friend. She's a friend of a real friend. But, you know, d- details. Um, <laughs> But uh, when I was younger, I used to fanfiction my own life. 
Now, this is something my friends who are in theater like to call acting. But, uh, you know, whatever. I, it's, it's definitely still ficking your own life, right? Um, I mean, it's, 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 I used to write AUs of my own life. Uh, that's an alternate universe for you norms. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, 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 it's about putting established characters in situations that are different from the central text, the canonical text, and seeing how things change. They themselves don't change, but there are sort of, environment changes around them and you explore that. It's an excellent like writing exercise. And it's also fun to do for yourself. Um, cuz like, you know, what would you be like if you were someone only a little bit slightly different? So, obviously my parents are immigrants cuz I'm not a white person or a native american, you know, just to be keep it, just to be, you know, fair across the board here. And uh sometimes I wonder what would have happened if my parents had stayed in India and you know, I would have been Hello, my name is Aarti, and I'm from Chennai, and I'm coming to U.S. to study my MBA. It's quite nice to meet all of you, and it's quite cold here in Chicago. I cannot believe it's so cold. By the way, how do I get to Devan Avenue? I've heard lots of good things. (laughs) But, uh, you know, there's also a version of me that could have settled in the U.K., because, you know... Again, Indian, the British conquered my people for a long time. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of us there. And so sometimes I think about the version of me that's like, <clears throat> uh, hello, my name is Arthi. It's quite nice to meet all of you. I'm in the United States just temporarily visiting a friend. What do I do in the UK? Uh, I live in London and I'm studying for my medical, I'm sorry, I'm studying, I'm finishing up my studies as a doctor, uh, to be in a hospital. I'd love to help people. I'm very passionate about healing and medicine. Um, you know, I mean, in part it's because, like, my uncle, my uncle Sukubur, he was called Uncle Suki. You know, he was English, and, you know, as an ang- I was an Anglophile for, like, a hot minute. You just... <laughs> I got over it. Whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> and then I thought, uh, I watched a Bollywood movie where the, it was set in Australia, and I suddenly realized, oh, yeah, we're there, too. Also an ex-British colony, so that's part of why. And uh, and I had a professor in college who was Australian himself. And so I just remember thinking, oh, man, what if I were Australian? What would that be like? And so I'd, I said to myself, well, I'd be like, uh, good day. My name's Arthi. I'm here in the U.S. Uh, to, on vacation. Uh, hey, y'all have a big lake here. Thought maybe, <laughs> thought maybe I could do some water sports, but I forgot, y'all, that it's... Uh, it's cold. <laughs> it's, it's warm back home. Um, so, you know, like that. <laughs> a little shaky. It's been a few years since I saw that professor, so. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then now I live in New York, as you were so kind to introduce me as, and, uh, I'm still working on this accent, so please forgive me. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of people, Indian people on Long Island. And so I thought about, like, what would that version of me be like? And she'd probably be pretty similar to this, except she'd be like, don't fucking take my coffee. Don't fucking talk to me before I've had my coffee, because I'm not going to be fucking nice to you. (laughs) And I know most of you are Chicago, and I can't do that accent. I lived in Indiana for a long time, and I cannot fucking do that accent. But I've tried, and it's hard, and I can't do it. (laughs) Sorry. Um... But uh, And then, of course, I went out west because I work in tech, and so there's a lot of people in the valley and out there, and I thought, man, what about the valley girl version of me, right? She exists. So she's like, um, 
Like, hi, my name is Arthur, and I graduated from Stanford with my engineering degree, and I'm super excited to start at Google, but first, before I start, I'm going to take three months off and go travel the world with the advance that they gave me. I'm so excited. In my off time, I, t- I tutor underprivileged kids in Oakland. It's super rewarding. They're so nice. Can you believe it? Oh my god, it's so good to be here. <laughs> but of course, my favorite version is the version of me that's like slightly different from the version I am right now. Because like I said at the beginning, I'm from Dallas. There is no reason I couldn't be like, Hi, my name is Athi. It's so nice to meet y'all. I just love being in the big city. It's so wonderful. All these bright lights and nice people. Gosh, I just never thought all y'all could be like this. Oh, you've been so great to me and your pizza is so different here. <laughs> But of course, you know, that version's probably my favorite because it's an alternate universe. It's not quite the same, but it's not really that different. Thank you so much, Arthi. Alternate universes, that's some some cool shit. I read a lot of comics, I think a lot about alternate universes. I wonder what I'm like on Earth, uh, Earth 2, guys. Evil Eric. He probably doesn't have a beard. It's probably, uh, real short, like, military cut. Probably D-bag. Probably listens to Johnny Cougar. Anyway. <laughs> we have one more storyteller tonight. Miss Eileen Tall. Hating on Hi everyone. Okay. <laughs> it's going well so far. Um, so yeah, I wrote, have been writing a. Uh, I'm a solo performer, so I'm writing a one-woman show, and this particular one-woman show is about what I've learned about life and love from Harrison Ford movies. <laughs> when I coincidentally heard about this event, I was like, yeah, that might fit. Um, so this is actually the first time I'm reading anything from this show, so I'm really excited. And uh, I'm hoping to workshop the show in April, so if you enjoy it, uh, you can talk to me, and then I'll be like, come to the show. Um, so this is an excerpt. It's sort of the beginning and the end mashed together of a new show called Bad Dates or What Killed That Monkey in Indiana Jones Only Makes Me Stronger. <laughs> Hi. Is this is this where I can buy a ticket to the Indiana Jones Marathon? Oh, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I'm a really big Harrison Ford fan. Like a really big Harrison Ford fan. <laughs> a lot. I, I like him a lot, you know. He's the guy, right? He's, he's America's guy. He's definitely my guy. But, I, I, yeah, I've never been here before to your movie theater because, you know, you guys show a lot of weird movies and foreign films and, you know, that's not to say those aren't great. Um, I love weird movies and I, I've seen some foreign films. Uh, but what I mean to say is that I like weird movies and foreign films. I'm not uh, a dummy, but I just don't come to your theater to see them because of the internet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I, know, I, I figure you know what the internet is. You know, you're the young guys, so. Um, but 
there's not an option to buy tickets on your website, uh, which if you're asking me, and, and you're not, but if you were asking me, I think that's a mistake because people like me who try to look ahead, who try to plan their future, they can't because they don't have the security of just buying a ticket, making a plan, writing in pen over those penciled-in dates on our calendars. You know, we just have to assume that when we show up day of, that a ticket will still be available for us. If we take a chance, a blind leap of faith, and just pray that the optically hidden stone bridge will be there in the form of a general admission ticket, then, you know, we won't be left out in the cold. (laughs) And we can still go in. We haven't missed out. We won't die alone. We can still experience all the fantastic Indiana Jones action we've been looking forward to for probably longer than I feel comfortable telling you. My therapist is on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, just one. Just just one ticket. I thought that would be kind of obvious from all the talking at you. <laughs> but it's just me. Yeah, just me. I'm I'm flying solo tonight. <laughs> flying solo. <laughs> and when I fly solo, I uh, I make the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. <laughs> Just kidding, I usually go to a bookstore. Or I watch a movie or work on my writing. Usually think about working on my writing and jot a few ideas down on a napkin and never end up writing, you know, the ideas into a book. Um, It's scary to kind of get all of it down on paper sometimes because then you can see that it really sucks officially. So yeah, one adult ticket. Uh, not that I feel like an adult most of. Um, yes, thank you so much. Now, is there a is there a break in between, or are we just going to keep trucking through all three movies? No break. Great. Four. Um, all four. Yeah. Um, so this includes the Crystal Skull Shia LaBeouf fridge nuking one. Oh, okay. Um, do I have to stay for that? <laughs> no offense, but could I just, like, you know, leave? No, yeah, no, I'll see. I, I mean, it's not that I don't respect the canon. I, I just, I would just rather pretend that that one never happened, you know? <laughs> like, it's out there in the world, and that's fine. It does actually exist, and it got my man Harrison Ford a paycheck. And I'll grant you that Kate Blanchett is a solid villain, and it was so good to see Karen Allen back on screen again, but, you know, come on. Aliens? Mutt Williams? Enough CGI to kill a small horse? You know, I just, I just want to pretend that it doesn't exist at all. Kind of like every ex-boyfriend I've ever had. You know, or have currently. I have them in the present as ex-boyfriends. But they used to be just boyfriends. Not at the same time. (laughs) Throughout my life. um, You know, there are some people out there who can stay friends with their exes, or they work with them, and they're just able to be around each other in a civil way. And I I am not really one of those people. Uh, I'm like Danny Glover in Witness. You know, let's destroy every shred of evidence that a failed relationship even happened. Not to kill their families, but um, <laughs> I just have trouble keeping those people in my life, you know, because when a relationship doesn't work out, it's because it doesn't work. 
I've had my fair share of failed relationships. You know, a string, not a huge pile. I don't want to say that it's Harrison Ford's fault, but he is a lot to live up to. You know, see, I've loved Harrison Ford ever since I can remember knowing what love was. I practically came out of the womb watching Star Wars. Growing up, my older brothers and I knew every note of the 21st Century Fox intro. We would read aloud the blue text that set the stage for our journey a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And we held our breaths as the screen faded to black. We wildly anticipated it, that sudden trumpet burst that simultaneously summons that iconic yellow text to jettison in from somewhere behind you, and the saga begins. It still gives me chills. And this world unfolded, a world of adventure and Jedi magic and excitement. I identified with Luke. I felt that I was also stuck in my small town, but destined for greatness. I identified with Leia because she was the only woman in the entire trilogy. Mon Martha doesn't count. But Han Solo, I was in love. Tight pants, his gun belt carelessly slung around his waist, and that half smile. He was confident, he was clever, and he was a tall, strong white man with brown hair. That's always been my type. (laughs) Why, yes, my father is also a tall, strong white man with brown hair. Why do you ask? The late and very great Roger Ebert once said, Never marry someone who doesn't love the movies you love. Sooner or later, that person will not love you. So, do the movies you love really make up who you are? Would I be the same person I am today without Star Wars? You know, I really don't think so. I really think that Star Wars has changed our world and me for the better. Star Wars is about bravery and hard work and friendship and luck and courage and loyalty and defying the imagination. And most importantly, Star Wars is about choosing the goodness inside of you. We are all capable of evil, but it is our choice to do good that elevates us. And this allows us to live together harmoniously. I believe in all those things. Those, those ideas are the foundation of my moral principles. I'm sure I would have found a way to come to those beliefs without Star Wars, but the point is, the point is that there are films out there that made a lot of us who we are today. And I feel similarly about Indiana Jones, you know, the importance of education, his dedication to preserving the ancient artifacts in order to pass history on to the next generations. Those are all really important values to me. And I really, really love Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and Witness, and The Fugitive, Blade Runner, and Casablanca, and It Happened One Night, and Tremors, and The Odd Couple, and Jaws, and The Graduate, Annie Hall, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, The Jerk, Fiddler on the Roof, While You Were Sleeping, and His Girl Friday. So the person I love who loves me, that person that finds me when I find them and we finally found each other, that whole process... The person on the other side of that, that person has to love all of those movies. Because they're not just some movies I like. It's not about taste or preference. It's about believing in a set of values and a way of life. Never marry someone who doesn't love the movies you love. Sooner or later, that person will not love you. It seems right. It seems like it's been proven right. It seems like practical advice. 
Can you really judge someone by the movies they love? Should you? Is that the determining factor in chemistry and the ability to carry on a stable relationship? Is there someone out there who loves the same movies I love, but who will also love me? That's a lot to ask. That's a lot to leave to chance. I'm not sure if I believe in soulmates anymore, in fate. There's a minuscule chance that I'm going to find everything I'm looking for. Kind, honest, funny, a guy with traditional values but a modern sensibility, smart, brave, vulnerable, not judgmental, forward-thinking but lives in the present, comfortable with contradictions, strong, a carnivore, sexually, humble, (laughs) confident, clever, all those things, and who loves the same movies I love, all of that, and who loves me wholly and fully, it doesn't seem likely. A minuscule chance. But never tell me the odds. <laughs> Thank you, Eileen. You'll have to tell us when that show goes up. We will uh, send people to it. And go ourselves. Uh, so that brings us to the end of the night. Wait, Claire, can I get you all back up here? And uh, yeah, this is a ton of fun. Thanks to everyone who told the story tonight. You all were great. This year had a lot less slash than last year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. I, I think can... we had enough slash still. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after the after Brad at the top, it was like, where do we go from here? <laughs> Once Oscar Wilde had his way with uh, Fred Phelps. <laughs> I don't know. So I guess the introduction to this song thing we're doing is that some artists... Do you want to give it? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. This is a song... When I first heard it, I said, this song was written to be on an episode of Glee. (laughs) And when other people heard it, they said, this sounds just like Madonna. And I was like, no way. (laughs) So, just to prove a point, crazy... We're going to sing both together, and you guys can hear how incredibly dissimilar Born This Way and Express Yourself sound. I was going to say some uh, artists wear their fanness very much on their sleeve. And they here's, do indeed. Here's an example their of that. Their meat sleeves. So, uh, their meat sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> those, those are the best kind of sleeves. Because if you're hungry, guess what? I got <laughs> Yeah, anyway, you guys, right, these, sound, these songs sound nothing alike. Like... Wacky. You can sing one or both of the ones that you know with us. Yeah. Anyway, let's... uh, You can sing either at any time. (laughs) Let's do it. Come on, girls. Doesn't matter if you love him. Do you believe in love? capital H-I-M. Because I got something to say about it. put your paws up. And it goes something like this. Because you were born this way, baby. Don't go for a second best, baby. Put your love to the test. You know, you know, you've got to make him express how it feels. And maybe then you'll know your love is real. My mama told me when I was young, we were all both superstars. She rolled my hair and put my lipstick on in the glass of her boudoir. She said, cause he make you perfect, babe 
So hold your head up, girl, and you'll go far. Listen to me when I say I'm beautiful in my way, 'cause God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Don't hide yourself in regret. Just love yourself and understand. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Ooh, there ain't no other way, baby. I was born this way. Cars that go very fast, you know they'll never last. No, no. What you need is a big, strong hand to lift you to your higher ground. Make you feel like a queen of the floor, make you love you till you can't come down. Don't go for second best, baby. Put your love to. Don't be a drag, just be a queen. Don't be a drag, just be a queen. Don't be, don't be, don't be, don't be. And when you're gone, you might regret it. Think about the love you once had. Try to carry on, but it just won't get. He'll be back on his knees to express himself. Sounds nothing alike. Express himself. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all, thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.